When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Boy, I wish it was summertime. Oh, man. Tell me about it. The cold, the ice. The snow, the fog, the fog's even dangerous during the wintertime, man. What is that? Dude? Yeah, why, why have, when did we move to a combination of Fargo and Syracuse? I don't like I mean, it. I don't like it, man. It stinks. It's hour two of the game. The game after work. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G., and A.J. Shaw. Phone number 75-537-1350. Uh, right before the break, we mentioned that, so Netflix has bought the rights to WWE Raw. Raw's been on for over 30 years, since January of 1993. Jeez. And it's only been on two channels ever. USA and Spike TV. It used to be TNN. Wait. Wait a minute. Okay, is it USA still around? Yes. Okay, never mind. I was going to say something. No, it's still around. I, I just saw, though, this report that, so that Netflix, so basically Netflix now is doing the tier thing. Yeah. Where you can pay a cheaper amount, but you watch ads. So basically what Peacock and who else does that? Hulu, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and then you can pay 16 bucks a month for the standard stuff. Man, I remember wow. when Netflix was seven bucks. Absolutely. Just simple, just simple seven bucks. Mm-hmm. Or and you can go premium and get 4K for 23 bucks. $23? No thanks. I I mean, I remember when Netflix, I only got Netflix because it had the uh, Office. That was it. Yep. Ne- really ne- uh, Office, Parks and Rec. I remember they used to have, like, Dexter was on there. Like, some really good shows. Now I'm watching Love is Blind Sweden. I think you can actually start finding um, HBO shows on Netflix. Uh, it's either that. Like, what's going on there? There's, I thought it was. Like, Six Feet Under. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, they've definitely combined, right? I think when they went in with the new management, uh, when Warner took over everything tied to that and Turner, uh, the new chief was like, "Yeah, we're going to sell off a, a few of these, or at least you know push them over to others, so that they're paying the rights to us." Ooh, good. Felt move. that that would be better than trying to hoard it all for themselves because they didn't feel like it would grab grab the subscriptions as well as it might by being Ooh, on another service. That's a good idea. You kind of like give away some of your weakers, you know, the weaker ones, and maybe throw out a goodie there or two. So I found out when Troy and I went to Orlando, mm-hmm. I I typically use my iPad just for like traveling and watch stuff on the tablet or whatever, like on flights or stuff, and I'll use also the tablet for 
uh, stats when I'm at a game or something. I'll have the uh, the stats on the old on the old iPad, but I never use like Netflix on it unless yeah. I'm traveling. Well, I hadn't had Netflix and after they started not allowing password sharing with people you don't live with or whatever. Well, it turns out you can still actually do that if you pay. Well, no, I had I had it on my tablet still, oh. and I'm still able to use it. Oh, you said save later, remember me. You click that box. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't make sense how I'm allowed to still use it. Hey, Netflix, I got one. <laughs> you narc. <laughs> they pay me, baby. That's cool, though, because that's that harkens back to a, a simpler time, man. Just give me that Netflix, you know, password. Let me rock with you. Did you ever give that out to uh, somebody that you were seeing? And well, you had to like be like hey. the account I had was my ex girlfriend's, oh, and I had God. it for over three years after we broke up. Whoa! But she was cool with it, so I was like, "All right, okay, that's I'll cool. Just keep using it." It's hour two. The game. The game after work. Did I tell us everybody our names: Mitch, Troy, David G, and uh, AJ. Uh, I want to talk a little uh, K State men's basketball uh, here in just a moment. Really, this is kind of a celebration show for the K State women's basketball team. Because they're still proving a lot of people wrong, even though they're ranked number four in the nation in the AP poll. They go beat the Baylor Bears uh, last night, 58-55. You know, in that first half, there was really only one true, like, sign of life, and that was when uh, FS1 was, like, glitching. (laughs) And at one point, the bar that was on the bottom of the screen went from green to purple. or It was lavender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And from that that. point on, things kind of (laughs) changed. I was like, "What an omen this is! What a, what a, what a sign of luck!" I saw that. I was like, "That is too perfect, man!" And it was like kind of a lavender purple, right? It wasn't like a pure dark purple, like Crown Royal. Well, I wanted to point out that uh, I've had the K State Women's Basketball Media Guide opened to page one hundred and thirty-nine for the last three weeks. Is there a hymn there or something? I, oh, sorry, it's not a hymnal. Okay. <laughs> I was waiting oh. for an alleluia. Uh, can I get an A? <laughs> oh, Yoki, I'll be, I'll be there. I don't know. I, I tried to be funny. I, that that, that didn't was land. funny. I couldn't figure it out on time. Uh, but there's something there. Yeah, there's something there. That was funny. Uh, no, so on that page is K-State's history and rankings. Oh. And with the winning streak, I mean, it's been continued to be like it's the longest winning streak since like the 08-09 season. But now K-State's at a point where they're off to their best start ever. And 19-1, and one, that's never happened before. Crazy. They're 8-0 in Big 12 play. That's never happened before. They're, so another poll came out earlier today, and that was the coaches' poll. Coaches have been sleeping on the Cats more than the AP voters. Yeah. Uh, because when the Cats entered the poll, you still had the coaches' poll like five spots back, and they had been staying back up until K-State became the number four team in the nation in the AP poll. And it's been a long time since that's happened because there was one season back in the day. As a matter of fact, it was the 0203 season where K State stayed in the top 10 the entire season. Wow. They opened up that season at number five in the country. They finished at number eight in the country, and they never dipped lower than number eight in the country. They were seventh ranked for a lot of that season. But if you look at the coaches' poll, earlier today it came out that K State has jumped to number two in the nation. Number two. Two. And I think Case it actually has a shot to be the number two team in the nation next week in the AP poll. But c- history continues to be made because 
The last time K-State was number two in the nation in the coaches poll was week three of the 02-03 season. And that was the only week in history. K-State was ranked that high in the coaches poll. Now, you know, it would be awesome if K-State could get to number one. K-State has never been, ever, number one in the country in the AP or coaches poll. Oof. How do feel typing the number four in front of the K-State today? Like, well, for your rundown here? So, like, well, pretty good. rundown was one thing. The real the, the real cherry on top of last night's game is I've been tweeting out the final scores. Oh, and yeah. it was, first of all, and I think I think I said this yesterday, I, I never saw the day, like I could never picture it, where K-State went into a game against Baylor and was the higher ranked team. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, honestly, and that's no shot at no. Coach Mitty. That's no, no shot at... At, at Deb Patterson, that's no shot at anybody that was a former member of a K-State women's basketball team in the last 20 years. Yes. It's just Baylor was that good. Dominant. Under Kim Mulkey, was that good. Under Nikki Collins, they're still pretty good. They're a top 15 team. But I was like, Baylor has just had K-State's number for a long time. Mm-hmm. K-State hadn't won there in 21 years. That is a drought I don't care who you are or where, what conference you're in or where you're playing at. When you've lost so many consecutive games, you haven't won in a certain location in 21 years and over two decades. That's rough. That is. That's bad. just you. Just don't have that team. Just has your number. They own you in a way. Circle on the the the, the schedule. Win. Believe it or not, K State has now beaten Baylor three of the last five years. Dang. So, I mean, it's so fun for me, and this is why I'm so passionate about this current team and just K-State women's basketball in general. And that's because I was a K-State women's basketball fan before I was a K-State men's basketball what? fan. And it dates back to the Kendra Wecker, Nicole Oldie days, the uh, Megan Mahoney days. Uh-huh. You know, the, the, those early 2000 years where all these Kansas kids came together and created one of the best teams in K-State sports history. Let's go to the phone line, 785-537-1350. Speaking of Kendra Wecker, we're now joined by Jeff from Marysville, who has a Kendra story. What's up, Jeff? Oh, do we have him? Uh, Yes, yeah. Hey, Jeff. Hey there. Hey, uh, yeah, uh, going back back in the days, uh, I had done the youth uh, umpiring up there in Marysville, uh, and this would have been back in the uh, time frame when uh, Kendra was uh, playing. It's like an eight and nine year old uh, girl softball up there. And uh, I remember I was a fish. I was umpiring behind the plate, and I remember the first time I met her dad, Randy. And it was uh, it, at that age group. Uh, your your strike zone is very big, just to keep the game moving and and all of that. Um, what was really interesting is before the game started, he came over and he's like, hey, Blue, make sure that she hits that catcher's net. And Kendra was a pitcher. She could do all of those things. That was kind of my first exposure to her athletic talent and, and the abilities that she had there and whatnot. Um, so I was like, okay, sure. Okay, yep. I'm kind of nodding. And uh, at any rate, uh, we get the game started, and she would throw nine pitches uh, per inning. Uh, wow. That ball would come. That ball would come flying in there, and it would. Then that catcher would not move that net, and I'd have to explain to the other kiddos to stand in the batter's box. After that third one, you have to go sit down. And, <laughs> you said to keep I mean, the game was, moving. You know, you're like, we're really moving now, baby. <laughs> 
I, I was I was blown away. I was that was it was really really in, in impressive to again to say the least. Um, and, and and again a testament obviously to to the talent that she had, but obviously to to her parents, uh, uh, Pam and uh, Randy. They did an incredible job. They got an incredible family up there, and and it was uh, it was really a, a neat. Neat opportunity at the time. I mean, again, at that age, I was in high school, and I'm helping with with youth officiating and umpiring and stuff like that. So, I was just making some some little bit of money on the side and all that. But it was really neat to see what that talent turned into. And and, well, and Jeff, I'm not realized. Let, yeah. let me ask you a quick question because. Being from Marysville, I mean, I'm from Clay Center. I remember what Clay Center would turn into when Nicole Oldie was playing a game. Would, would Marysville turn into a ghost town when Kendra was on the floor? Oh, I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was uh, with 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 what she brought. Um, yeah, it was it was it was nothing short of remarkable. And uh, when when they like you said in that high water tournament when <laughs> they were going there, I mean, it was yeah, it, it, everything and more. A lot of people that may. May not have been a directly uh, um, observant of, of her talents at that level, and and as she was coming up and, and getting ready to attend K State, and and that it was uh, it, it was truly something special, kind of a, a once in a lifetime type of talent for for North Northeast Kansas and that type of thing. So it was really really pretty neat. If not, if I'm not mistaken, isn't Kendra Wecker's jersey retired at uh, at Marysville? It, yes, it is. It is. It is hanging up there in the in the, in the old rafters, and uh, yeah, she like that. She could have, you know, she if. If she wanted to, she would have been an incredible quarterback. Uh, yeah. uh, she would have been an incredible linebacker. I mean, mm-hmm. she she literally could have done it all. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, but yeah, just uh, yeah, she was a, a definitely a, a, a special talent to come through there. And and uh, and again, K State was was really really fortunate. It was, it was neat to see her and Nicole and and uh, and 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 all the supporting cast there back in in the, in the early two thousands when they came through and, and and made their mark on the program and whatnot. But uh, yeah. Neat to see that, and also really awesome to see the, uh, the the current level that the that the women are playing at is just absolutely incredible, and it's and it's fun as a fan to to see the progressive things there. But very neat. Yeah, no doubt, Jeff. Really appreciate your call. Thanks for calling in. You bet. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jeff. Jeff. Jeff from Marysville. I I love how much this team reminds me of the glory days of K State women's basketball, and I mean. You know this this year's team has the thing is, that that was the real bummer about it was really the only bummer at, at all uh, that was about those teams in the in the early two thousands and that's they couldn't make the deep run in the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. they a lot of exits in the round of thirty two they had a sweet sixteen exit but it just couldn't for some reason they just couldn't get past you know, the first three rounds of the NCAA tournament. I think it was that 0-2-0-3 year where they spent the whole time in the top 25 and they were upset in the second round. Mm-hmm. You know, that this is where this year's team has a chance to bypass mm-hmm. those the, the glory days of K-State women's basketball, and that's by because of the talent. And then, you know, and I said it last or two weeks ago that this is a Final Four team. When Aoka Lee is back – and everybody stays healthy. This is a with the depth, the way they play defense, the scoring that they can really generate with Aokali in the game. This is a Final Four team. This is a very high ceiling team, and it's crazy to wrap your head around that. Yeah. But K State women's basketball is back. Crazy in Manhattan, it is back. Because I remember how full Bramlage would get for the games back in the day. It's back now. We're mm-hmm. back to hopefully. You know, and it's staying around for a while of really good K State women's basketball, but this season is not done. But it's a huge 
you know, it's, it's a huge honor to now be the number two team in the nation in the coaches poll. So and the highest ranking, tied for the highest ranking of all time. Wow. Just to think of the highs of from that era, the, the Wecker oldie era, to where it dropped off. And now the climb back to watch the steady, but steady but slow, slow climb back and to now be up there in consideration or, or, or have people say, well, this looks like a Final Four team. Is incredible. I think that, you know, the Aokali injury, of course, couldn't come at a worse time, but I do believe well, it could come at a worse it time. It could come but... at a worse time, but it's, I think this team is some, is a team that you believe that they can, they can weather the storm, whatever it is, as far as missing Aoka. I really think they can. They are talented. If you haven't, once again, if you haven't jumped in on this team and haven't gone and seen them, you're an idiot. <laughs> they, they are good. And well, then. They are energetic. I mean, it, it is what it is. They are good. And they, they, everyone else can notice it. But if you aren't going to see them, you're an idiot. Uh, completely different topic for a moment. But uh, the Major League Base, or excuse me, the National Baseball Hall of Fame announcing its incoming class Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton. And I'm missing one. I don't know because I oh, haven't looked Joe yet. Joe Mauer. Joe Mauer. Uh, Just did cross my mind. So uh, Todd Helton finally in for those of us that are Rockies fans. And he deserves that. God, yes. Which is a whole nother discussion topic. But anyway. For the Rockies. But the point being uh, that those are the three inductees next summer for the Baseball Hall of Fame. Todd Helton played on some bad teams, man. He 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 made seventeen million dollars, and the rest of the guys made eleven twenty five an hour. Those <laughs> were some terrible teams. They did a tremendous commercial while he was still playing to promote the games, <laughs> and at the time that Tulowitzki had won a couple gold gloves, and they did the the whole bit where it was they were going through the TSA checkpoint. And so they were having to unload their hardware. And so Tulowitzki lays out the two gloves, and Helton's like, that's it? <laughs> and he's got literally three bins full yeah. as he's going through, you know, and the, and the security tray is just running along. <laughs> was, was so well done. Because between the gold gloves and the, and the silver slugger awards, yeah. uh, Helton was the deal. <clears throat> he was. Let's take a break. When we come back, let's uh, touch on some K-State men's basketball. Of course, we'll have a lot of the men tomorrow. They get set for the Iowa game, Iowa State game uh, tomorrow night, 8 o'clock from Hilton Coliseum. But, you know, I I got to thinking a lot about this earlier today and about because with the women, you know, the, the, the depth, the bench has really developed this season. Zy Walker, Eliza Maupin, you know, Taryn Seitz has had a bit of a rough stretch so far in Big 12 play, but she had a, a pretty uh, memorable non-conference for K-State. But I, I, I question, you know, Tang's bench, Jerome Tang's bench. How does that continue to grow with games against Iowa State and Houston coming up? We'll discuss next. One of my favorite uh, beats. Oh, uh, yeah. Would you call this a beat? Oh, you would definitely classify okay. this as a beat. I'm trying to think, though. This was from a movie, but I, I can't remember what movie it was. I believe it was Charlie's Angels, but I'm not exactly sure. Does that ring a bell? Was this in Charlie's Angels? Like I'm talking I'm Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, Lucy Liu. 
Drew Barrymore. What did I say? I thought I said Drew Barrymore. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Drew Barrymore, Karen Diaz, and Lucy Liu. Yep. Yeah, it was in the first Charlie's Angels in 2000. How about that? Good movie. I remember liking that movie. What a The first movie was good. Second movie, not so much. But I liked the first one. What was the second one? Was that the Full Throttle movie? I believe so, yeah. It came out in 03. If you're calling a movie Full Throttle, it's not good. (laughs) And somehow Fast and Furious has gone... Anyway. <laughs> oh, boy. Kara, Kate Jackson, Farrah Fawcett, Jacqueline Smith. Well, well that's the, that the, the original. That yeah. was a TV show. I know. know. Boy, Came Farrah off the successive police movie. A police woman, I'm sorry. Angie Dickinson, police woman. Yes, sir. All right, we're back on the game. Mitch, Troy, Deej, and AJ. AJ going to be joining us on Mondays and Tuesdays moving forward. Meanwhile, uh, Owen Burke going to be our board op. Now, Wednesday through Friday, Travion has told us that he is taking over 20 credit hours oh. this semester and working multiple jobs. So we're like, all right, may uh, have to pull back on the board hopping a little bit. Good Lord. Uh, for K-State men's hoops, gosh, we haven't even talked about them at all today. Uh, they play tomorrow at Iowa State. That's an 8 o'clock tip-off. Pre-game coverage starts at 7 here on uh, News Radio K-Man. By the way, the Kansas City Chiefs. Boy, do they uh, have a big game coming up. Boy, if you thought playing on the road for the first time, if you're Patrick Mahomes, playing on the road for the first time in a playoff game was real nerve-wracking, wait until you play an AFC championship game on the road for the first time. (laughs) Baltimore is hosting an AFC championship game for the first time since 74. Oh wow! So they went. I, I know they went to a couple of Super Bowls. They didn't host those. AFC they did not. Games. They were they were the underdog all the way through. So Sunday, that's a two o'clock kickoff. We'll have two hours of pregame coverage. First hour is going to be Chiefs pregame coverage, and then we have to join with Westwood One. Um, so keep that in mind when you tune into to uh, K Man because when do we switch over at one o'clock? It's going to be a different pregame show. That's because when it's the AFC Championship game and on, Westwood One officially has the broadcasting rights outside of the flagship station for the Chiefs. So you'll hear that right here on News Radio KMAN. Kickoff at 2 o'clock, Chiefs and Ravens for the AFC Championship game. Meanwhile, you know, for the K State men, it's been very fun to see them start 4 and 1 in Big 12 play. That's how I predicted it to be because of the level of competition K State opened up with in Big 12 play. You had UCF at home, you're on the road at West Virginia and Texas Tech. And then I thought, you know, with the Tech game involved, if you had with the the Baylor game and Oklahoma State involved as well, you wanted K-State to finish that stretch 2-1, and one, and they did. Mm-hmm. It was nail-biters. It was nerve-wracking. I think we figured out a while back that this is what that team is. They're going to come down to the wire, but they're going to find ways to win. That's still what that mm-hmm. team is. Mm-hmm. They're still going to be that team as we continue on down the road. But the thing is, the Big 12 is the Big 12. And UCF, after K-State beat them in Manhattan, UCF is a different team. They woke up. And now they've beaten Kansas. They've beaten Texas. They're uh, they're kind of a decent team after losing 77-52. to But now, four of your next five, the next five games, four of the five are against top 25 opponents. K-State, and you know, what's been impressive about this team is K-State is winning games without needing a whole lot of scoring from the bench. 
Back-to-back years, KU has been a team where they don't need a whole lot of scoring from their bench. I And I say they don't need. What I'm really saying is they haven't had a lot of scoring from their bench. They've still been good. Uh-huh. But we saw last year, I mean, they had an early exit in the NCAA tournament where they needed that bench scoring and didn't really get it. K-State is not far off from being KU when it comes to bench scoring. Right now, K-State's averaging – 14 points a game off the bench. K-State has not had a double-digit score off the bench since North Alabama on December 2nd. Yikes. But in that stretch, they're they're 9-2. and two. They've mm-hmm. been close games, mm-hmm. but they're still winning those games. The, the losses, of course, Texas Tech and then Nebraska. You know, I hate to bring it up, but hey. Nebraska was one of those games. A ton of K-State scoring is coming from the starting five. Mm-hmm. And Arthur Kaluma has been a hot hand lately. Ooh. I mean, I know Tyler Perry has been the one kind of directing traffic. He's the one in control. He's been taking a lot of the late shots in the first half or in crunch time. He's been a guy that's been taking those shots. Arthur Kaluma hit that three and that and one against Baylor was huge. Cam Carter then against Oklahoma State, he had the, he had the two bank-in shots to get K-State the lead and then put them up a couple of scores with some free throws. Mm -hmm. It was nice to see some other guys get that shot of hitting the big shot or taking K-State in the lead and win a game. Yet we haven't just seen lately much scoring from the bench. Now, like I said earlier, this team is just a team that figures out a find. They find a way to win. They figure it out. But it wasn't too long ago – December, November, where K-State was consistently having double-digit scores off the bench from Dede Ames to Michaela Rich to um, to Jarrell Colbert. Uh, once upon a time, there was an Arthur Kaluma that came off the bench for one game and he scored in double figures. I don't know if that you really count that. But K-State used to have a lot of contribution off the bench in scoring. That hasn't been the role lately for the bench. The bench has been in development mode. So you know you're no longer going to have Naquan Tomlin coming into the lineup. And he hasn't all year long, obviously. He's out in Memphis. Quez Glover is most likely out for the rest of the year. We now know what this team is going to be. The bench has been more of a, of course, role players, and they've more understood their roles. But they're starting to play a little bit more. Th- guys unhealthy this last game against Oklahoma State. But they've been contributing in ways that maybe don't always show up on the box score. At the end of the game. Plus, you have Colbert. He's blocking shots. He's playing some really good defense. Dorian Finister has been a has been a spark on both ends of the floor. It was nice to say RJ Jones, who has scored in double figures this season, hit a three in that Baylor game, and that was huge in K-State's win. Um, and then Day Ames comes back from an ankle injury and gets a couple of shots to go in the hole, and that's a great spark because he was a pretty big scorer coming into games off the bench and even starting a little bit earlier in the year. I just wonder, how does this continue to get better? Because now, K-State will play in the next two games. Because K-State right now in Big 12 play, second best in the conference in scoring defense. Well, Iowa State and Houston are 1-3. and three. So now, K-State's going to face the other two teams that are in the top three with them in scoring defense. There is going to be a major focus on Arthur Kaluma. There is going to be a major focus on Tyler Perry. Cam Carter, he's, you know, 
he didn't value the basketball as much as he should have against Oklahoma State. He had those five turnovers, and the ball was just taken away from him. So now you're facing tougher defensive teams. K-State's progression in their defense has been huge in winning these games. If they didn't have this strong defensive play, they're losing these games. Right? They're not 4-1 and one in Big 12 play. So the defensive help from the bench has been big. But now since you're playing these tougher defenses, which, by the way, they can also score some points, now you probably got to ask the bench, hey, we need more contribution in scoring the basketball because with the respect – that these star players are going to draw for K-State, there might be more opportunities for these role players off the bench to make some shots. And they're going to most likely have to make some shots if they want to win on the road. With tougher, tough, tougher competition comes, all right, who becomes the next guy to step up for K-State? And I think that's where we're at right now. Who out of this group of four or five, depending on how deep K-State goes, is going to be the guy that steps up and score some points. Watching Dorian Finister and what he's done the last two weeks has been great. As a scorer, it feels like he's peaked at six points. Game in and game out through Big 12 play, that's about as much as you're getting from a player off the bench is six points. But I think we need to see those points grow now. We need to see a few more buckets go in from the bench, three-point shots go in. There's some shooters on this team they just need to get back in that in that mode of hitting those shots. So that's the next part of this growth for the team. TP hitting threes and being consistent and being that North Texas 41% shooter, I'm past that now. Mm-hmm. He'll find a way to get his points. He'll be healthier against Iowa State. He'll find the way to get those points. But who's going to step up and hit shots now? Who's going to be that next player to come in? And that's where I question the growth of this team. Do they take that next step? It would be huge if they could find that next step against Iowa State and Houston. Because now you're playing some really tough competition now consistently in these next two to three weeks. Mm-hmm. Crazy to realize that, yes, Iowa State being right there in the top 25, but I, I'm still not real comfortable with where they are. Houston is way better than I think most of us realized going into the year. Just the fact that there was that view that, oh, well, they're coming into the Big 12 now. That's not going to be as glossy of a record. No, they've proven that they're ready for this conference. Yeah, they have. So that that's going to be one whale of a challenge for the Cats. These next two are so big. So big. Um, you think as far as bench points go, that's got to be something that Tang and company talk about. That's got – I mean – you know, well, let me turn my mic back. I mean, Arthur Columba just played 38 minutes. I don't know if you want Arthur Columba playing 38 minutes every game. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as, as the season wears on and the Big 12 schedule wears on and you play teams like Houston, I mean, you got, you know, he's going to have to take a breather to compete like at that level. Gotta, it's so important. Um, who would you pick if you could pick one person that you think could blossom off the bench? into somebody that could give you double-digit points? Who do you think, in Mitch Palm's opinion? Well, I mean, because the way he started the season, I would think if I had to predict, I would hope Day-Day Ames Mm -hmm. could emerge, especially being a point guard. Uh, You know, I would hope Day-Day could really grow as a player soon. 
and find his shot. He hasn't been shooting the three very well when he plays. He's not hitting him. Mm-hmm. He's not hitting a shot. He got a couple of layups against uh, Oklahoma State, and that's great. Coming off that ankle injury, he missed a couple of games, and that's great. Um, but I'd love to just see the freshmen in general mm-hmm. be more than what they have been in this last month. I mean, R.J. Jones has hardly been playing. Mm-hmm. I mean, Caleb Rich, we're – he is on a milk carton. I don't, I don't know where he's at. He's warming up. I'm not sure why he's not playing. He's a hell of a rebounder. He's not a great defender, um, but he's a hell of a rebounder. He, he, he is the best dunker on the team now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Day Day is on my radar. You know, Jarrell Colbert has been putting in some really strong minutes lately. Um, not the best score, but he's been a pretty solid defender. Um, I mean, I could give you maybe a case for everybody. I just, you know, like going back to Dorian, it was fun to watch Dorian really take off there, and he's been a spark. The scoring thing, though, has he peaked at six points? I hope not, but he's kind of stuck there. Mm-hmm. He hasn't passed six points. Um, is Dorian that next guy? You know, Dorian has really grown as a player. He is more athletic than I think we expected him to be. He's not riding the end of the bench anymore. Because of his role now and because of the respect he's earned from the coaches and now he's playing more minutes – I said Danny Ames, but it would be great if Dorian became more of a scorer. He can hit shots. He's just the jumpers aren't falling. Right. So that's the part of his game that's missing right now mm-hmm. is just jump shots. So we'll talk more, obviously, about you know the K-State men tomorrow because they play tomorrow. We'll have Mitch Palm. Uh, but when we come back, we're approaching the, the close of the show. We still got a couple of segments to go. When we come back, I did want to touch on the Chiefs beating the Buffalo Bills. You know, Mitch Holtis is – a legendary broadcaster, best NFL broadcaster of all time. But he did not have the best call (laughs) of the missed field goal for Tyler Bass and the Buffalo Bills. The best call. AJ, I'm liking the tunes today. This is Queensryche Mm -hmm. off the Empire album. You're a big Queensryche. I love Queensryche. Mm -hmm. Love Queensryche. And I want to see him in concert. There's actually two bands that tour as... Well, I don't know if that's actually true anymore. There used to be two bands that toured as Queensryche. Ooh. That's because Jeff Tate, who was the lead singer of Queensryche, the original band, had a falling out with the rest of the band. So they went separate directions, and they both toured under the name Queensryche. That's always awkward to me. You know, like, who's who? Who's the? Who do you consider the real? Well, and it's always weird seeing a band like Foreigner, for example. Foreigner tours as a band that doesn't have an original member left. That to me is always kind of weird. Leonard Skinnerd is Same. that way as well. It's like with Gary yeah. after the passing of Gary Rossington and Ronnie Van Zant's extremely talentless brother out there is now fronting <laughs> the band. It's like, ugh. Yeah, if you go to see those bands, you're just going to relive some golden oldies and get drunk. I mean, basically. For, what, what's uh, what's Ronnie Van Zant's brother that's now the lead singer? Johnny Van Zant. To me, that is the worst transition from one singer to another Ooh, in rock and roll history. It's bad. It's bad. And it's like, one's Ronnie and the other's Johnny. You know what I mean? Like, how off-brand can you get, dude? Oh, no, it's not Ronnie. It's Johnny Van Zandt. No, thanks. So Sunday, the last game of the division round of the playoffs, the Kansas City Chiefs beat 
The Buffalo Bills, DG was not right on his pr- prediction. way off. As the Chiefs went 27-24, as Tyler Bass, the kicker for the Buffalo Bills, who struggled in the previous week in the in the wild card round, had a chance to tie it up on a 44-yard field goal. Mitch Holtis, who is the most legendary play-by-play voice in NFL history, here was his call. Placement down, Bass's kick is up, and the kick is no good! A little prophecy! Tyler Bass has struggled, yeah, and he just misses the kick. Good call. <laughs> <laughs> but that was not the best call of the night on that play. This call has been it has been going around. It's been going viral because it's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. There was a Korean broadcast of the game, and here is the call of the missed field goal. And to me, this, this call... It, it does the best job of telling the story. My reaction exactly. <laughs> oh! oh! Because it, the kick reminded me of, remember... Um, it was Alabama, Texas A&M. Uh-huh. And it's it's in College Station. And A&M is lined up to kick the game-winning field goal. And the ball looks like it's going to go wide left. And then all of a sudden just corrects itself and oh, goes through the uprights. Yeah, I remember that. Well, it's you know it, was, it had that video go viral of the kicker's family. You got it, babe! You know? <laughs> you got it, babe! And he kicks it, and, he, and they storm the field and all that. Um, it, but in this game for the Chiefs and, and Bills, Tyler Bass, the ball looked like it was going to sail just inside the upright, and then it quickly turns directions and it sails off to the right. A hard right. A hard right. Why is why are like play-by-play people that are not speaking English better than English? <laughs> like, it, it's always better. And they, I mean... They were invested in that, dude. Like, shout out to the Korean people listening to American football. That's awesome. Dude. Because we've had people doing play-by-play like Vin Scully, like, uh, 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 why do I, uh, why am I now blanking? Uh, Kurt Gowdy, uh, guys that were, well, even Summerall to a point. They never got all that excited, excited. Right. right. And that's why. Right. Because... We were trained not to be that way. and Don't do that. Right, exactly. Ugh. And because back in those days, it was about, you know, being balanced because your broadcast was being heard so many different places. Right. Ray right. Scott at CBS. Oh, That's gosh, who Summer yes. I'll learn yeah. from. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So just, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't about being excited, excited. I like to see the, I like imagining those levels. Just going haywire. Now I'm more of a. I'm a Mitch. I'm more of a Mitch Holtis. I'm ex- yeah, when things get baby. good, I get excited. Yeah. By the way, Kevin Harlan's call was pretty good too. The other night, yeah, it was it pretty was. solid. It was. Yeah, I've had multiple Big Twelve referees come up and say you sound like Kevin Harlan. You do when after you said that, even when you just talking, you sound like him. Hmm. Are you Kevin Harlan? I'm calling both games. Yeah. Are you Kevin Harlan? Are you Kevin both games Harlan? I'm Kevin Harley. Yeah. Ooh. Not to be confused with Kevin Harlan, yeah. Okay, then. 
Wow. That's pretty good. Well done. H-A-R-L-E-Y. Ooh-wee. Mm-hmm. Harley. I'm giving Harley. Burnout. Leave the game. Oh. No, he did great. Once again, Mitch, awesome. Korean guys, awesome. Tremendous. Tremendous. Wonderful. (laughs) We finish the game next on... We probably have time for one question. Hey, what about... um, Let me ask you. What's one myth you want to debunk about your profession? I asked this on Ask a K-Worker. For me, it's we don't get tickets for every show. People are always asking me for some shows. I'm like, dude, no way am I going to get tickets for the, the Foo Fighters? No. Well, I'd like to debunk that I'm not Kevin Harlan. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> okay. Kind of late to debunk. It took you a while. It took you a whole, a whole break to, to say this. That we don't make... Millions of dollars, right? Yeah. <laughs> you got anything? And not, and not every woman wants us. Sure. Yeah, it's we're not uh, out partying in the mill every night. When we travel with the teams, we're not always on charter flights. Oof. No, no. If there's so one seat, and you're you're in, a, you got to give up your seat. They're my my all timer was still the regional jet watching a seven foot tall coach try to get on <laughs> by the name of Sean Vandiver. Folks who remember CU of the era and coached at Emporia State for a bit as their head coach. Yeah, seven foot. He's three bills easy. Dang. Huge guy. Yeah, climbing on a regional jet. No, not working. <laughs> All right, we got to bounce. Full two hours of the show tomorrow for AJ Deej Troy. I'm Mitch. Go Cats. Morning too busy to catch the news on K-Man. Of that play is coming up next.